So I got to tell you, Rhett, you're either going to drag this out for a year or another two years, you're going to do that, or you're going to realize soon the fighting's not worth it. Life is too short. What's up, guys? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Whatever platform you're coming from, whether it's YouTube or Spotify or, or Apple Podcast, maybe you found me on TikTok. Maybe you found me through After Midnight, my radio show. However you got here, thank you for being here. I love doing this. We're going to walk through your questions, real time, long form, no notes, no edits, no cuts. I don't know what's coming at me, and I'm going to talk through it as though, as though me and you are friends and you ask me for advice, I might not have the right advice, but I'm just going to tell you what comes to my mind when I first read this. If you want to be on this podcast with your question, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. And I'm going to get to the list here today. The, uh, the first question subject line says, this little slash big thing my husband does. It says, I'd like to stay anonymous. I've been married to my husband for 12 years. He proposed to me within the first year of that, and we were together. Everything seemed perfect. He seemed head over heels for me, and for some reason during this time, things changed. He started struggling and reliving the past. When I say the past, I mean it's mostly things, events, people that were prior to me. He struggles with condemning himself for our children not having as good a life as he had when he was younger. He relives and longs for the vehicles, money, and good times he had before he was with me. The big thing is he has confessed feeling guilty for things he did to his girlfriend and often thinks of ways to fix what he did back then to her. He's reached out to her before and even kept pictures and special things from her in our garage. It's gotten to the point where I could feel or sense when he's thinking about her and he'll shut down and separate himself from our family and be distant. We've talked about it. He'll confess these feelings and these things. And he'll break down and sometimes even cry when I press him to reach out and fix whatever he needs to be fixed. Then he will say it's stupid and he doesn't love her and he was just having a moment. While I'm really glad he's comfortable talking to me about this, it kills me, all caps. I can't help but feel that he regrets marrying me. While I'm the one with the ring on the finger, I still can't help but feel unwanted and in someone else's spot. I start to feel guilty that... Yeah, I even came into my husband's life and even wonder if he's supposed to be with his former girlfriend. I've found ways to cope and deal with these unwanted feelings by running to the cross. I'm not going to ask why he is doing this, but instead, what can I do as a godly woman to pull him back into the present with us? Or would you say I should instead be mentally and physically preparing myself for not being together forever? Even though we're married, is this man still in love with his ex-girlfriend from over 16 years ago? Wow, what a, what a question to start the podcast. Number one question to lead off. What well, my goodness! First of all, un- anonymous. I, I am I am so impressed with with your courage and with your understanding of the situation. Oh my goodness. Oh, I don't think a lot of wives um, would be able to handle this with as much grace as you are doing. And, and, and I feel like you are doing all the right things. You've, maybe you've listened to my podcast or, or you're just new, but either way, you know exactly how I feel about these situations. And you even know that I, I, 
I reject asking God why ever, and instead, what? What, God? What are you trying to show me in this situation? It's interesting when we pray sometimes and we, we ask for strength, and to build our strength, he gives us troubles to deal with to enhance our strength. And that's what he's doing with you. And I, I, I want to validate um, your concern and your feeling about this. And I think you're doing everything right. Here's the first thing I want to dive into is the last thing that you said here. Should I be mentally preparing myself for not being together forever? I want to I want to kind of unpack that a little bit with you because I want I want to say and and I know I feel like I know you because <laughs> your long email, but um, and so I'm not saying anything that you don't already know. But I, I want you I want to encourage you to fight for your husband and, and fight for your marriage. Don't give up on this. Don't stop trying. Don't start preparing for maybe you're not going to be together because I think if you start that preparation, that's going to reflect back into you. You're not going to want to fight as hard. You're not going to want to dig into him as hard because you're preparing yourself for protecting your heart and being ready for divorce. And I and I don't I don't believe in divorce. I believe we fight for our marriages and and no one ever said that marriage was going to be easy. Um, no one ever said, you're getting married? Great. No, it's going to be a cakewalk. Have fun. You know, Enjoy the rest of your life. It's going to be easy. I don't think I've ever heard a human ever say that, ever. Even the best marriages, even the people that, are, that never even fight with each other, you're, you're going to have struggles and you're going to have things that, that come up, whether it's between your relationship or directly outside your relationship that penetrates into it. But you're, you're going to have problems, and that's just the way it is. Now, the, the result of fighting for that, first of all, you know, biblically, we, we have to fight because, of, because marriage is that important. It's, it's a covenant under God, and you know that. And these the struggles your husband is, is dealing with, um, I just, I think you're doing some great things, and, and I want to continue to lean into him. And I would continue to be the person that he could talk to about anything, including an ex-girlfriend that he might still have feelings for, or that he's regretting something that he did. As, as bad as that sounds, the last thing you want to do is shut him out from that kind of communication with you so that he can't even talk to you about it. It's, it's tearing him up, and he can't even talk to his own wife about it. So even though that, that this kills you, and it should and I agree with you, and, and I validate that, that it should kill you. And, and I, but I think you should tell him that, I, and, and not in a nagging or, or degrading way or judgment-type way. I, I, think, I think you just say, I want to talk to you about this because, because I love you, and, I, and I, I need you to know that whatever you're struggling with, I'm in it too with you because I'm, I'm connected with you and because we have a bond and we have a covenant together and because I love you and we have children together, whatever it is you're dealing with, whether it's this other girl or, or memories from your past or, or feeling like you're not worthy in the present, whatever it is, I'm in it with you. And I got to be honest with you, it, it kills me. It kills me when I, when I see you like this. And when you go through these moments and, and you, you're not, not including me, and you have to, I'm telling you, guys operate differently. You have to tell him in a loving way, not a judgmental way or not a nagging way. Like, 
Like, don't ever come to him and say, well, you thinking about her again? You're just leaving. You got kids with me and, and, and I feel left out and I feel not wanted. Don't do that. Just say, I want to talk to this. I want to talk about this. And, and find them sometime away from the kids when you guys can have some quiet time, maybe, maybe at dinner. And you, and you just say, I want to talk about this. I want to, I want to dig it up. I can't believe you, you gave him the option to go back to her and reconcile. Like, that's amazing. That's, a, that's an amazing thing that, that's, that takes so much courage and selflessness that you have offered that to him. Now, what he does with that, I, I don't know. That's, that's in his court. Um, and, and we hope that uh, if he does take that option, that it's in a godly way, in a righteous way back to you. But, uh, but goodness, this is, this is quite, I don't think I've ever gotten an email quite like this one. And, and I, I feel like there's a lot of hope in it. I feel like there's a lot of hope for you guys. And, and I feel good about the situation. I don't, I don't feel good about where you are right now currently, but I do feel good about the outcome because I just think you are, you're, you are uh, an incredible woman that is seeing the, the big picture here and he's going through a season and this season will pass. And it's not going to last forever. Like this isn't going to be going on 10 years down the road. He's still dealing with this. This is a season, and I believe it's a short season for him. And he's going through some kind of uh, some kind of period in his life where he's he's doubting the decisions that he's made. And when you start doubting the decisions you've made, you you start feeling less of a man. And and you feel like that's why he's telling his kids that I I, I feel like I'm not the good dad. Would you say you said uh, he's condemning himself for our children is not being having as good a life as he had when he was younger. I mean, that's, that's guilt. Guilt is a thief and a liar, and it's just corroding him from the inside. So uh, continue to lean in, continue to keep the, the communication open. Don't nag, just love, love him, be there. Give him some space if he needs it, but also be available to talk whenever he does. Don't give up on the marriage. That's, that's what I would say for now. Next question, subject line says, quick question about my faith. Hey, Granger, my name's Mac. I'm 19 years old from Oregon. Uh, it says, first off, I want to I say I admire your love of Jesus and how you're so open about your faith. He says, I feel like my walk with Jesus is very staggered and clumsy. I fall into old habits without realizing it. And then I'm left with the same regrets. I have a hard time growing my faith and making time for God. I, I don't know if it's just me or the people around me that I surround myself with. I'm in this constant loop of envying the Christians that are confident in, in how in touch they are with God and how uh, I want to be like them. And yet I don't go to church or find the time to read the word. Although I don't think I would have to go to church to be in touch with him. I just think it would be, I would be better off to find a church in, that I enjoy and connect with to grow my faith. I'm also fairly new to reading the word and, and preaching what it writes. Uh, I'm not an insecure person by any means, but when it comes to my faith, I feel like I'm not involved as others are. I know God forgives my sins because we are human, but how do I grow my faith? Does it matter who I surround myself with? Most of my friends are Christian, but they never talk about God or their faith. I know everyone's walk with God is different, and it all happens with time, but I want to be devoted a devoted woman of God. I don't have a full understanding, but I'm trying to get there. I just want to live my life to Jesus, and I feel stuck in a loop. I can't 
seem to find the right steps to take. And I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but how do I break the fear of missing out? Anyway, thank you, Granger, for taking the time to read this. Uh, I hope to come see you play in August when you come to Roseburg. Great. So this question comes from Mac, and Mac is a girl. And I didn't realize that till halfway through. Um, Mac, yeah, let me dive into this. It's a, it's a good question. Um, you're not alone in, in thinking any of this stuff. But I want to I kind of pick at you a little bit. I want to kind of poke at you, okay? Um, the first thing I want to poke at, because I'm going to be, I'm not going to say things to make you feel good. I'm going to say things that I think you need to hear. And, and, and by saying that, I, I, I want to, I want to reject the idea of you looking at other Christians like they are better than you or have more than you, because that is false. And I'm not one of them. We are all sinners. Okay. The story, the story of the gospel it's the story of the hero slaying the dragon and getting the girl in the end. That's the story of the Bible. That's the story of Jesus slaying the dragon and getting the girl in the end. But here's the catch. The girl in the end that the hero gets is a prostitute. We're, we're not a queen. Like the, the church, the bride of the church, the bride is a prostitute that is not worthy of, of being saved by the dragon but we're saved anyway. All of us. Nobody is better than anybody else. Some of us have a stronger faith, but faith itself is a gift too. It's a gift to us. It's not something we have grown on our own. It's something that was given to us, and that understanding is a gift. So because of that gift, and because we're all a prostitute, we don't deserve any of it. And that leaves us with nothing but praise that the hero slayed the dragon that we couldn't ever defeat and saved us when we weren't worthy of being saved. That's the love story here. That's why this love story is so incredible because we didn't deserve it and everything is a gift. So I want to dive in and I want to poke at you here because you're telling me you're telling me that you, you're struggling, you're in a loop, you're not getting any better, you're not growing your faith, but then you straight up will tell me you don't go to church or read the Word. And so I've said, you know, analogies on this podcast, it's like, it's like a, you know, I've said this before, it's like a batter playing baseball that goes to the coach and says, I'm in a slump, I can't hit anything, I'm in a loop. I go up to bat and I strike out and I, and I cannot, I cannot d- get better at this. And the coach says, okay, let me help you. Let me, let me help you. First of all, tell me what you're doing. What are you doing to try to get out of the slump? Are you practicing your swing at a batting, batting cage? No. Are you videoing yourself and watching your form and playing it back? No. Are you, uh, you're going out to the field and having somebody pitch to you all the time and you're trying to work on your curveball or your fastball? No. But you want to get better at your swing? Yeah, I want to get better at my swing. You see the, you see the disconnect? Like that's what you're telling me. And you say, although, here's your, here's your line, although I don't think you have to go to church to be in touch with him, do you not? Like where, where does that, where does that? 
Where's that in the Bible? You don't have to be around other believers. You don't have to be in church. Where does it say that? Because the church is the prostitute. It is the bride. It's, it's what he slayed the dragon for. And so why did he slay the dragon? It's, it's like saying, if the, church, if the church is the bride of Christ, which is that's the analogy the Bible makes, then it would be equivalent to what you said. It's going up to one of your friends that's married and saying, I really like you a lot. I love you. But I can't, I can't just can't stand your husband. I don't like him very much. I don't like him. I like you. Don't, don't get me wrong. I love you, but I just, I don't care for your husband. Like, what, what would your friend say to that? How would she react to that? I don't think she would take that very well. And that's what you're saying. And then the other thing, I don't, I don't read the word. Like, that's the batting cage. You want to get better at your swing? The word is your batting cage. Like, when you pray, you're, you're, you're sending your communication up. But when you read the word, he's speaking back to you through the word. So you're not reading it and you're not going to church. I mean, I don't really have to think about anything else in the email besides that. Try, try that. Like go, go to church. Hey, even if you don't want to, even if you've got, I'm, I'm, listen, I, I just finished a book that's going to come out next year, but I was, I was in your exact position. So I'm not speaking down to you. I'm speaking as a beggar, telling another beggar where I found bread. Like I'm no better, but, but I did get to eat. And let me show you where I found food. And so many times it starts with going, just going to church, just showing up. You don't have to dress up. But, you know, I was always worried about like, well, the Cowboys are playing football on TV. I can't miss that. Or I'm traveling and I'm really tired. I stayed up late last night at a concert. But you don't have to want to go. You go because you need to go. And yes, yes, you need to go. You need to show up. You need to hear what, what, the, what God has to say that morning. And then you continue that on not just Sunday morning, but on Monday. You continue again. You, you dive back into the Word again. You go, God, what, I'm about to open this Word, the inspired Word by you. The Word that people, thousands of people died for so that I could have this book. And I'm going to read it. I'm going to see what you got to say about it, about me today. What do you have to say to me? Open my eyes. Open my ears to, to the message that's coming to me because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it. So faith is an action. It's an action. It's not work. Don't work towards God. There's, you don't have to do certain things to get closer to him. But if you want to be with him, get into the word. Show up to church on Sunday. In fact, let's take a break and be right back. If you want to connect with me, there's two really easy ways to do it. One, you could see me in person. Go to grangersmith.com. Click on the homepage. It says Meet Granger on a tab right there. Click it and find out how to meet me at any place we're going this year. Probably all over, hopefully close to you. The second way is cameo.com slash grangersmith. You can get a video shout out from me. It could be about an anniversary or a birthday, maybe just to pick me up, a congratulations, whatever it might be. I'll send you a personal video from my phone saying what you need me to say. Go to cameo.com slash grangersmith or download the Cameo app and search for me, Granger Smith. 
Our next question, subject line says, help for a friend. Hey, I have a question about a friend of mine, a little backstory. My friend got leukemia a couple years ago and has really been changed by it. Since then, he shut out most of his friends that he grew up with. Why? I really don't know the reason. All I have to say is I'm pretty much his only friend, and he's complaining about being lonely, bored, and having no social life, but refuses to change any of that. How do I encourage him to get out there and to do more social events and make more friends? Whenever I talk to him, he seems somewhat depressed and is always complaining that he'll never have a love since he's, since he's 25 and only getting older. Hopefully this makes sense. Any input would be appreciated. Thanks, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. Thanks for the email. Um, first of all, let's just say 25. Man, that's young. That is super young. So what, what I want to encourage you to do with this is... Work on, work on not, not trying to correct him and not trying to push him into situations, social events, other girls, whatever. Instead, just be there. Just, just be there and just love him as a brother. You know, just he, he's been through leukemia and you say something's changed and you don't know what. Well, I don't know what. I've never had leukemia and you, I don't think you have either. So, we don't really know what he went through or how difficult that was or what kind of what kind of new perspective he got new lens that he was able to look at life with this idea of his own mortality like that changes people i would i would expect that would change me or you so i can't i can't begin to understand what he's going through so me and you we don't have to and we shouldn't we just be there to love him as a brother and to, if he doesn't have any friends but you, be that friend. Pour into him. Don't expect anything from him. Lower your expectations for what you need from him as a friend. And instead, pour into him everything. Pick him up dinner. Go pick him up to take him to the movies. Go do some fun stuff together. And if he doesn't want to go, just go hang. Just go sit on the couch and hang and just talk and do whatever you got to do. If he doesn't want to talk about leukemia or friends or being lonely, change the subject. Talk about the new movie Top Gun. I don't know. But just pour into him. It's, it's understandable that he's going through a difficult time and that this time is probably going to last uh, several years. The, you can't control that. You can't control him. You can't control his, th- his thoughts or emotions. But you can control you and how you react to him. So pour into him, lower your expectations of what you want from him, and instead just give him everything. Be there for him. Take care of him. Learn his love language. Is it acts of service? Do stuff for him. Is it gifts? Get him a couple things every once in a while. Bring him a hamburger. Is it words of affirmation? Go sit on the couch with him and and tell him that you're an awesome dude today, not before leukemia. Right now, you're awesome. I can't imagine what you've gone through. Is he, uh, is he quality time? Just go hang out with him. Spend time with him. Learn who he is. Pour into him. That's what a friend does. Here's another question. Subject line, chronic loneliness. Dear Granger, thanks for being awesome. I just saw you for the first time uh, live. I relocated to Central Texas from Dallas, to Dallas uh, from Nashville, from my hometown in Ohio. I'm a strong, independent woman that does everything alone, including going to concerts, movies, sit down restaurants, and traveling. This was fine until here recently 
Uh, I started getting bad looks from everyone around me. I'm 27 years old and I've yet to make a friend. Any advice for overcoming loneliness? I should introduce you to the the other guy that just got over leukemia. Uh, She says, I have prayed for years for an answer. I've tried to go into church to, to meet people, but I'm at a weird age where everyone around me has friends, kids, and families. Thanks sincerely. Tess. Tess, thank you for the email. Thanks for being vulnerable and opening up with this. It's so, so now we have the other side of loneliness. Now we just talked about a friend that was dealing with it. Now we have you that's in it, which is, which is interesting, right? I mean, if you put all these emails together, we could see people are just hurting and, and looking for answers and searching and wanting community, wanting to be together and wanting to have friends. Like that's such a, such a big thing. And yet we, we just search for it like we're just digging for gold and we can't seem to find it sometimes. So reading your email, the first thing I would do is just shed, shed this identity of strong, independent woman that does everything alone. Because I think you've, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've debunked that because you're not. You, this has now backfired on you because now you're hurting with loneliness because you have put on a facade of being a strong, independent woman that does everything alone. And you never had to, to begin with, and no one expected you to. And you're not, you don't have a better resume because you could write, I'm a strong, independent woman that does everything alone. Like, I'm not going to pat you on the back for that because I'm not a strong, independent man that does everything alone. I can, you can, but and we like to sometimes, and, and some, some people more than other times, but all of us as humans, like we're tribal beasts, we need community, we need a gang, we want to be in a gang, and we, we need our people. That's why we divide up politically. Have you ever noticed that? We divide up politically because we love to be in tribes. Like, I'm in this tribe, and I, and I believe this, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to search for other people in my tribe. And I'll defend them to the end and I'll fight off the other guys no matter what, because that's my tribe. And you say something against me politically or emotionally, socially, whatever, and you're going against my tribe, I will fight to the death over this because you're, you're, you're causing harm to my people, to my tribe. And that's what you want. You're 27 and you're super young. I was single at 27. I didn't have a wife or kids or anything. So me and you are we're on the same path so i understand seeing others and feeling like they're judging you because they have a family they're they're married or they have friends but that's that's i could read plenty of emails where people are having problems in their marriages i could read you the email i just read right before this one where there's a problem with friendship so they're not better off trust me they're not better off because they're married or because they have more friends than you so there's no weird looks. If anything, you're in a really good situation because you're, you're at the foundation level and you get to build everything up. Like these other people have to do demo work and tear down buildings and get back down to the foundation and start over. But you, you're only building up. There's no demo work involved, okay? That's a good place to be. It's a lonely place. It could feel lonely, but it's a really good place for the long term because you're starting from scratch right now. So what I usually say, you know, after you shed this identity and after you shed the idea that people are 
look giving you weird looks. Like, stop thinking that. Stop thinking people are giving you weird looks. I guarantee you people have enough problems on their own with their own identity and their own lives and their own relationships that, that they don't really care <laughs> how much you look different. Like, you, you're reading that wrong. Like, people just, people have too many issues to really invest themselves in yours, even though it might seem like it. So shed that, shed your independent woman identity and just pour into society. Go, go find a hobby that you love. Pick something you love, anything, any group or organization or game or sport or knitting, whatever it is, pour into that and go and find your people, find your tribe. And you will, you'll find your tribe and This is the place to find friends. This is where you're going to find your friends, okay? Next question. This is a kind of a lighthearted question. Subject line says, Chevy and petrol prices. Hey, Granger, my name is Hans from Norway. I have a question to you about American trucks. I really love Chevy, Ford, and GMC, but I feel like some of them drink way too much gasoline. Which type of truck should I buy? Right now, I have a Chevy Suburban 1995 V8 5.7 liter. Thanks for your time, Hans. Hans. Man, anything you get, anything is going to be better than your Chevy Suburban uh, from 1995. I, I, I promise you, anything. So don't worry about that. <laughs> You're going to be any of these new trucks. Now, nothing is, nothing is great. Nothing is, is giving you a, um, you know, there's, nothing's better than a, like a Prius if that's what you're looking for. And I'm sure in Norway, a lot more people drive um, lighter cars that are, that are a lot better than, than trucks. But you seem to be my kind of guy. You're a country guy. And so uh, anything newer than 1995 is going to be a lot better than your, your Chevy, Chevy Suburban. I used to have one like that, by the way, a 90s Chevy Suburban. It's really good. I'm going to move on to one that uh, it, it says husband has an addiction. And I see this a lot. So I'm going to read this question. It says, what can I do to help my husband? He has a sex addiction. I don't know how to help him. We've had an uh, active sex life as a married couple. We welcomed our fourth child together and celebrated eight years of marriage. He used to attend church with me and has a new job since that has him working every Sunday and has kept him out. He started joining groups on social media where people swap nude photos. He was caught and I confronted him. He claimed his account was hacked. He is always on porn sites too. I've tried to explain to him what the Bible says about it, and he doesn't understand how it's wrong. It's deeply hurting me. Please help. Thanks, Indiana Mom. Oh, man. Indiana Mom, uh, thank you for your honesty, your vulnerability to email this. Uh, this is painful. I'm sure it's, it's uh, incredibly painful for you. I want to I look at this in a couple different ways. Because I, I see uh, I see porn addiction questions a lot on this podcast, and there's two different kinds of of porn addiction. There's the kind that and we'll, I'm just speaking for guys, not girls, right now. Okay, there's the kind that guys feel remorseful and they feel um, stuck and sick to themselves that they're in it but they can't find a way out. I get those questions a lot. A, a little less, I get your question that's where the, the husband does not know that it's wrong. 
He does not realize this is what this is doing. And so for the first group, the, the group of men, I, wanna, I, know, I know you didn't ask it, but I want to kind of address it because I, because I get so many questions about it. And, and I, there is a, I think, a pretty solid solution or remedy. <laughs> I don't know if there's a solution besides God. There's not. But here's, a, here's an earthly remedy, okay, for the first group. The, this is the men that have an addiction to porn, and they want to stop because it's, they know it's hurting them and their family. I talked to a, a pastor friend of mine that has counseled a lot of people in this. And he told me that there is a, in fact, he texted me. Let me see if I could, let me see if he gave me an answer. Yes. Okay, perfect. Here it is. He, he texted me back. There is a, an app called Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes, that's C-O-V-E-N-A-N-T, Eyes. And it's a, you can go to covenanteyes.com or it looks like there's also an app for your phone. And what this does is it if you're if you're admitting that you have a problem, you could sign up for this app and it literally takes your IP address and it monitors your search activity on your phone and your computer and whatever else you have digital. And it will it knows when you go to a porn site or some something that's um, subjective like this. And it will send who it will send your information to whoever you tell it to send it to. So when you sign up for the app, you could put your mother-in-law as the recipient or your wife or your mother or your sister or your best friend or your pastor, whatever. You put someone in there as your, as your, your guardian recipient, your accountability partner. And if you go to one of these sites, it sends the information to your mother. So your mother gets, gets a log of what sites that you went to that were compromising. Like that's, that's pretty good. Like that, I think that's a really, that's a really good tool in the tool shed. If you're trying to get away from this, if you know, Ooh, if I type in this website, it's sending it the information to my mother-in-law. Like that's, that's terrifying. That's terrifying. And I think it's a great using that kind of fear for yourself is great. That being said, let's get back to your question, Indiana mom. You are, um, you're in the middle of the fire right now. And the problem is, the problem is not the porn. That's obvious. Like that's, we're, we're all sinners. So the problem that he's doing these weird websites where you share nude photos and, and he's looking at porn, that's not, that's not the problem. That's one of thousands of sinners problems that we share. The problem is his unrepentant heart. The problem is he's, he's not seeing that it's wrong. He's not seeing that it's damaging you and him. So, so we have to think of a different solution for you, Indiana mom. So I would say, first of all, this might be an obvious question, but I have to start here. Have you have you talked to him about this in a non-judgmental way, similar to this first question I had, where the guy was having problems still thinking about his ex-girlfriend? Similar to that, are you talking, opening communication with him in a loving way, not nagging, not, what are you doing? We have four kids, you're ruining us. Are you saying, babe, could I talk to you about something? Do you know that I love you 
And do you know that it hurts my heart to know that you're doing this? And not to me or not to yourself or not to our four kids, but ultimately to God. Do you know that you're doing this? Can you, can you try to see that this is, I know you say it's not wrong, but can you try to see that it's really hurting me? As you said in your email, it's hurting me deeply. I can't sleep at night. It really hurts me. And do you, do you know, do you know this? And, and for him to have that kind of realization that he's hurting you, like that's different, right? It's different that she, he just, he's trying to skate around the fact that this is not wrong. It's different maybe if he knows he's actually hurting you. He's, he's abusing you in a way, emotionally abusing you. Does he know that? Have you told him that in a non-judgmental, non-naggy way? I would start with that. And the, the second thing is, um, that the hard thing is the church thing. He's, he's working, he can't go to church. When we, we know that having him around other godly men that keep him accountable will lead him back ultimately through God. And anybody that's dealing with sin that's, has no, that's oblivious that it's a problem, uh, we have to immediately get accountability around them. Because the slipping up and falling into something bad is that's one thing, but usually we expect to correct that quickly and be able to move out of it. Like, oh gosh, I can't believe I fell into that. I'm, I'm gonna get myself back on the right path. I gotta get myself corrected. But but when you're not having that kind of repentant heart, that that's what I'm talking about when I say that that sounds like a religious word, repentant. It's just it's a it's a remorseful heart. Like if you're not feeling remorse that you're hurting your wife, that's a problem. So love him. Don't give up on him. Don't consider divorcing him. Don't get a wondering eye. This So many times I've read other emails where this is where the cheating starts with the wife because she's like, well, he's looking at, he's looking at porn. And I kind of, you know, this neighbor down the road is talking sweet to me. So if he's going to be doing that, he's already done his damage. I'm just going to go here. So don't do that. Like, that's not the answer. Love him. Don't nag him. Continue going to church. Continue taking your kids to church and show him through that example that you are a changed woman and that it's affecting you and that you you feel part of a community and you feel loved. And at first he might have a, a little bit of jealousy towards that, like, why is my wife loving this church so much? Like, why is she getting so much fulfillment from that? And then hopefully that, that, that jealousy turns into curiosity and he's like, maybe I should go. Like, maybe I should pick a Sunday and go with her because she seems like she's getting so much from this. What he's going to get out of this that he doesn't know is he's going to get so much more fulfillment when he leaves it. But the problem is he's he's in it because he that's where he's getting fulfillment. It's like hitting that that little endorphin in him. It's hitting that that dopamine, and he's he's satisfying that this little dopamine loop. But he doesn't know that there's something way greater, way more satisfying. The dopamine is nothing compared to this, right? Lean into him. Don't give up on him. Surround him with accountability. And you, in the meantime keep going to church.
Let's hit one more here. It says, relationship troubles. Hey, Granger, my name is Rhett. I've been listening to your music and your podcast for a long time. I'm 18 years old. I need your advice. I've been with my girlfriend for almost two years now, and it's gotten rocky. We fight quite a bit. And when it does, it lasts for a couple of days. We both cry and really hard. She blames the fights on me. And I, don't, I know I could be a problem, but sometimes she gets super manipulative and tries to guilt me. I love her, but I feel stuck. When we aren't fighting, our relationship is great. I'm just not sure how to fix the fighting. I want your opinion. Thanks, Granger. Rhett. Rhett, you're 18. You're in a rocky relationship with, with extreme times of fighting. I've been there before in that, that I've been there. And it's, it's very rare, Rhett, hear me. It's very rare for this to turn out well. Very rare for you to, to, to be in this relationship that fights all the time. And then one day you figure out a solution on how to not fight. And she agrees with the solution. And then you just don't fight. And it's good. That is extremely rare. What I'm trying to tell you is this relationship is probably not going to work. It's amazing when certain people get together and they just don't work well together. We all have that person. It doesn't have to be a relationship. We have friends like that or, or coworkers like that. Certain personalities come together and it's, it's like fire and ice. Sometimes it's just incredible. And then the, the other half of the time, it's just hideous. Typically, that just doesn't work. Typically, you're going to come to a point, and I'm predicting this already, you're going to come to a point where the fighting outweighs the love, and you're going to go, you know what? I just can't do this anymore. It's weighing me down. I love you. I think the times that are great are awesome, but the fights are just too much. And and I'm not blaming you. I'm I'm equally to blame in this. But it's amazing when we get out of that and you finally break that off and you go find somebody else. It's crazy how you could find someone else that doesn't bring out that bad side of you. Because yes, you're blaming yourself and you should. And I blamed myself for these relationships. It's 50-50. But it's amazing when you meet somebody else and you realize, I'm not that bad guy anymore. Like I don't have that tendency to, to fly off the handle and to get angry. I don't have that tendency to nag or to, to be uh, hurtful back. I just want to love her. It's crazy. You didn't change, but the person that you're with, that new dynamic, the new chemistry is just different. And you'll find that. So I got to tell you, Rhett, you're either going to drag this out for a year or another two years. You're going to do that, or you're going to realize soon the fighting's not worth it. Life is too short. I'm 18. I have so much life ahead of me, so much more to figure out in relationships, and I'm just spinning my wheels in this fighting relationship right now. Now, you're going to be heartbroken when this happens because when you break up with her, I'm hoping you do, when you break up with her, the good memories will instantly outweigh the bad and you'll forget about the fights and you'll forget about how bad they were and you'll go back to her. You'll rebound right back to her and it'll be great for a week. And then the first fight starts again and then you remember, oh yeah, 
Now I remember why we broke up because she's crazy and I'm 50% crazy on my side. And so you'll break up again. This could happen like three times. I'm telling you, (laughs) I'm predicting your future. And then finally, after the last heartbreak, whether it's two or three times, you'll move on. It'll get easier. The heartbreak will slowly, slowly diminish over months of time. You'll start feeling better. You'll meet somebody new. You'll get scared because you think that this Jekyll and Hyde's about to come out. And then with the new person, if it's the right one, you think, huh, I'm a lot better now. I don't, I think I've changed. And you really didn't. It's just the new chemistry. Thank you all for your emails. We'll see you next Monday. Yee-yee. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith Podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel. Hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Yee-yee.